Welcome into episode seven of Baseball Stuff, and this is the best time of the year. Uh, to me, regional weekend in college baseball season is much better than the first and second rounds of the NCAA tournament, and I will fight anyone on that because uh, the last few days have just been absolutely incredible. I mean, you literally have baseball on. 12 to 13 hours a day and uh, I've been watching baseball most of those hours so certainly uh, something that I look forward to every year and so far it's the action has been incredible we're going to talk about a lot of that today Uh, we'll start off talking about the Big 12 regionals how the Big 12 teams fared this week some great some ungreat so we'll talk about that coming up run down the regionals we'll talk about the super matchups Um, i I'm going to make my picks for the Super Regionals and tell you what I think and why I think those will shake out the way that they will. And then i got a couple of tangents that I would like to go on. Um, The headliner of this one is why are home teams, the visiting team, in their home park in Regionals and Super Regionals? It's the stupidest thing that we still have not figured out how to uh, not do that. And so it continues to be... Uh, something that I know I am passionate about, and I know a lot of people are, and it's been a lot of the chatter this week uh, in the in the regionals, and now we'll have it going into the super regionals. So we'll talk about all that, but as I mentioned, we'll start off with the regional weekend, and we'll start off with the uh, the regional that I was most focused on this weekend, and that would be out in Lubbock, Texas, Texas Tech taking on. Uh, Army, UCLA, and North Carolina in that quartet there. Uh, Army, a familiar team to Tech. They played Tech in 2019, the last time the Red Raiders, uh, or anyone for that matter, played in the postseason. UCLA, preseason top five team. I think they were the number two team by uh, a couple of publications coming into this season, so you know they had a lot of talent. And then North Carolina, I mean, that's a team that's been to Omaha several times in the fairly recent past, so... Um, And then you had Texas Tech, of course, hosting their fifth straight regional. And going into this series, uh, going into the regional, I'll I'll be honest with you. I was a little worried about Army and Texas Tech because Texas Tech this year, I think they'd lost five out of their last seven series openers. And Army did a lot of things that Texas Tech did not do well. Mainly, they move runners, they bunt, they put pressure on your defense. And defense has not necessarily been a strong suit for Texas Tech this year. Uh, And, you know, I I think they made you feel a little bit better about that this week. And we'll talk about that coming up here in just a bit. But uh, then you had the, the fight between UCLA and North Carolina. And coming into this weekend... The stat was 7% of teams that lose game one come back and make it all the way through the regional. That's what UCLA was trying to do. It just, they, they just ran out of pitching at the end. They, you know, lost a close one against North Carolina and then, you know, obviously took care of Army, then beat North Carolina when the Tar Heels were completely out of pitching after they fell to Texas Tech the night before. And then, you know, facing Texas Tech, it was it was a close game early, uh, but UCLA really did not do a good job of executing with runners in scoring position, left a couple of opportunities out there, um, and Texas Tech was able to take advantage with a really, really good pitching performance uh, that we'll talk about here in just a little bit. Um, you know, and then they, they just, you get, you get behind to a certain point, and no matter how many arms you have, 
you're going to have to tax your bullpen. You're going to have to throw guys for multiple days, and that's just what they ran into. And Texas Tech ends up uh, taking care of business, sweeping the regional for a third straight year. They have a nine-game winning streak in the regionals. Uh, they certainly know how to play well and they know how to win games in the postseason at home under Tim Tadlock. So I know Texas Tech fans very happy to see that. Another thing they were happy to see was the Tech bullpen. Uh, the only run allowed by the Texas Tech bullpen on the weekend, when you when I figuring those teams that I just talked about, considering who they were playing, was an Army home run. Uh, they had 26 all year, and uh, Army hit a home run off Connor Queen in the Friday game, the opener. Um, it was fairly inconsequential, uh, but you know we did see Mike Dallas come on to close that game, which tells you all you need to know about uh, Coach Tadlock and what he thinks about Army and their program. Uh, you know, on Saturday we saw that uh, you, you've known this, and he's proven this over the year uh, throughout the season. But Ryan Sublette, he is your one A high leverage guy. When you get into a situation where you've got to get out, so you've got to slow down. Uh, the, the opposing offense, Ryan Sublette is your guy. He's proven that time and time again. Did it uh, in, in Austin to clinch a series against Texas, and he was outstanding against North Carolina on Saturday night. And uh, he's a guy that also can give you some length if you need to. So you can bring him in in the seventh inning, and he can take you the rest of the way. I think you know when he came in the other night, that was, you know, I figured – <laughs> this is his game the rest of the way. Nobody's taking the ball out of his hands, and he ended up proving that. So um, that has to make you feel good if you're a Tech fan. And then I think the surprise that we all saw was that Micah Dallas was warming in the bullpen in on, on Friday afternoon's game against Army. I think everybody expected, you know, with Chase Hampton starting on Friday, I think everyone expected, okay, well then, you know, you, you start Monteverde on, uh, on Saturday, and then you can start Micah Dallas on Sunday, but no, that's, I mean, Tim Tadlock, he, he, just when you think he's going to zig, he will zag on you. And there's nobody that has their finger on the pulse of their team better than Tim Tadlock. And I think taking Micah Dallas, moving him to the bullpen, stretches out that bullpen that has been thin at times this year. And he gives you, again, a guy like Sublette that you can bring in in the seventh inning that has starter length and that has started in the past and started well this year. And he can, he can carry you home from the seventh. So uh, that's good to see for Texas Tech fans. And honestly, coming into this regional, I know David Collier and I talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago, but this Tech team with the pitching that they have is better suited to play in a super regional than they are in a regional. Just because you're playing the same team uh, and you're able to, you know, run fewer guys out there playing a maximum of three games. Whereas in a regional... You know, you could be pushed to four, and, and then you're in trouble. And, and that's what I didn't want to see Tech get into was going into that game, you know, being pushed to a game seven against UCLA, going into a, a game on Monday. So um, really good good news for Tech to, to get out of there clean, to sweep another uh, regional at Rick Griffin Park. Speaking of playing clean, uh, the defense was better. We still saw, you know, Braxton Fulford had a couple of wayward throws, um, you know, a little loose at times uh, with the ball, but I think we also saw not only some great plays by Cal Conley um, and Jace Young, but there were some times where they had an opportunity to go for the spectacular play, and unlike we've seen in the regular season where they just try to fling the ball aimlessly, uh, you know, <laughs> after catching it, you know, especially there in the middle infield, I think they showed some restraint and maybe played a little conservative at times. 
um, especially in those crucial moments because the errors didn't come at those times where you know you really had guys on base uh, or you know really threatening the lead or anything like that. So that's certainly good news for Tech, as was the bullpen, um, as I mentioned. But then you you have guys like Derek Bridges and uh, Andrew Devine. Um, <laughs> I almost called him Noel Devine, the old West Virginia running back. That is not that is not the guy. Andrew Devine uh, and Derek Bridges. I mean, Andrew Devine was really, really good in 2020. Uh, and then COVID shut everything down. And then this year, for whatever reason, he just has not been the same. But if he can find that form that he had in 2020, uh, that makes the conversation about this tech team and what they can do a lot different. Same with Derek Bridges. He's a guy you haven't seen a whole lot of this year. Um, and I think... We're going to see a lot of that down the stretch. I mean, Coach Tadlock always talks about he's not going to put any of these guys out there that they don't believe in. They believe in all these guys, and they know they have good stuff, and we've seen they have good stuff. I mean, Devine's in the mid-90s out there. You know, he's got good stuff. It's just finding that consistency, and I think, you know, we saw maybe those guys take it to a different level this week. So, be interesting to see, though, how they fare now in the Super Regionals at home against the Stanford Cardinal. They were pushed to a Game 7 by UC Irvine. Uh, Stanford eventually won 11-8 to late on Monday night, early Tuesday morning. But Stanford led this game 7-0 after one inning. And I think they led 8-0 and then 9-0. Uh, the Anteaters made a run and, and really made the... Cardinals sweat in this one. They used eight pitchers in that game on on Monday night, really taxing their bullpen, heading into a weekend in Lubbock uh, where they're going to face a a really, really good offense in Texas Tech in their home ballpark. And, you know, depending on where the wind's blowing, that park can really play small, which also kind of plays into the hands of the Cardinal. I mean, they led the Pac-12 hitting 73 home runs this year, and we saw in this regional uh, this last weekend, they can leave the yard. And so if, if the wind's blowing and it's a small ballpark, boy, we could have some football scores out there at, at the law. So um, they really don't hit for average. Uh, they they really kind of play for the long ball. So it's kind of looking in a mirror for Texas Tech and Stanford. Uh, pitching, however, for the Cardinal, uh, not really their calling card. Uh about league average or worse in in the main pitching categories when you look at you know opposing batting average and uh, ERA. So I tell you what, it's uh, you, if, depending on what the wind is doing this weekend in Lubbock, buckle up because this could be a very offensive series. Um, but if Texas Tech can get the kind of pitching they got this past weekend, that certainly bodes well for the Red Raiders and for that crowd. I mean, the crowd in Lubbock, you know, those fans missed out on. You know, postseason baseball last year, and you could tell that that place was tuned up this weekend, and it's going to be tuned up uh, this coming weekend for the Stanford Cardinal. Of course, the NCAA has announced the Super Regional times, and all three of those games will be two o'clock starts Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, when the temperatures will be over a hundred degrees in Lubbock, Texas. And uh, last night in Palo Alto, it was a balmy sixty in the sixties there. So uh, it's going to be a little bit of a a shock for the Stanford system coming out to Lubbock, where, of course, it feels like every year they get out on that turf and it's in the 120s for Tech. So nothing really new for them playing in the Texas heat. So I certainly think that plays into, uh, certainly plays into Tech's hands. So I am really looking forward to this regional. It's going to be 
back and forth and really, really fun. Texas Tech trying to get to Omaha for a third straight year and a fifth time in the last seven seasons, which is just remarkable. You can consider really the lack of postseason success that that program had before Tim Tadlock got there. So got that going on. Uh, so let's go down to Austin, the Austin Regional, uh, Texas uh, sleepwalking their way through this thing pretty easily, outscoring their opponents 34-5 to on the weekend, uh, opening against Southern, who is the worst team in the tournament. I'm not going to mince words. They, they are not a good baseball team. They stole a bid from Jackson State, who was undefeated in the SWAC until the championship game. Um, so a good game for Texas to kind of ease their way into things and get their feet wet in tournament play. Um, because you think about you think back to it, and in twenty, you know, twenty eighteen, Texas, Texas was in Omaha. Twenty nineteen, they missed the postseason. Twenty twenty, there was no postseason. So good for them to get in that environment and really play well against a team that they should have beat. And then props to them for taking care of business. Then you have an Arizona State team. Uh, they lost to Fairfield the first time, um, or that was the first time that Fairfield won an NCAA tournament, was against Southern. Then they go and uh, they end up beating Arizona State to knock the Sun Devils out. Ended up costing Arizona State head coach Tracy Smith his job just because the inconsistency of that program, which is historically fantastic, but now in a little bit of a mess. And their athletic director has come out and said that they're not going to break the bank to uh, go find a new coach for this program. So going to go shopping in the bargain bin. But uh, Arizona State was not in a good way coming in, not in a great way going out. Um, as I mentioned, Fairfield, they were the number two RPI team coming in, uh, but I don't think really anybody was too worried about the Stags coming in with, with the strength of schedule featuring teams of the likes of Canisius and Niagara. and So I, I don't think many expected much from the Stags, but hey, they got two, two NCAA tournament wins, so certainly a good weekend for them. But, you know, Texas did what they had to do. They, they dominated teams they should have dominated against and that's what you want to see from good teams you don't want to see them play around and play with their food and you know kind of play down to their competition uh and so good good for texas on that they did exactly what they should have done uh the good thing about texas as i mentioned it's been a while since they've been in the postseason so a lot of low stress innings for guys able to get good work in that atmosphere you know regardless of, of the opponent that's a great postseason atmosphere in austin and it can be a lot to if that's your first time. So they were able to get out there, throw some guys in some tournament uh, atmospheres, big crowds down there in Austin. So really, really good to see for Texas taking care of business like that. They, The Horns, they've got pitching for days. We knew that. Um, the offense is different than it has been in the past. People think of the Augie Garrido, get them on, bunt them over, get them in. Uh, and this offense has a little bit more power to it than than most people you know I'm not it's not a full departure from from that Augie Garrido system in my opinion I think they will still move runners on you and things like that Um, but they play in such a big ballpark but they do have guys that can knock it over the wall Ivan Melendez Zach Zubia Cam Williams they can all leave the the yard on you and and I think those guys are are going to be tested a little bit uh, against South Florida I, I think the Horns uh, are the better team by far in this series. But South Florida is a team, you know, I saw them play a lot this year early in the season when they were swept by Texas Tech. Three uh, relatively non-competitive games. They, they really kind of made Tech sweat in the, in the Sunday game. And the Red Raiders ended up sweeping them away there. 
but they're playing really, really well as of late. They won the American Athletic Conference uh, conference tournament, and that's that's a good baseball conference. I mean, think about East Carolina. They're a, they're a top 16 seed. Then you got Tulane, who easily could have gotten into the tournament, and so they're 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 not a pushover. They are a four seed, and Texas is much better than this team, but. If you take them lightly, as as Florida found out, that's a different story all altogether. But um, you know, this is a Flor- South Florida team that split with East Carolina, as I mentioned, who's a top sixteen seed. They split with them late in the year, um, and they're the best team in Florida. They proved that this weekend. Uh, not exactly sure. Well, I kind of, I'm sure. I have an idea what's going on with Florida uh, with their coach being uh, sent off to all these different uh, places in the country. You know, namely LSU. I think that's the odds on favorite. I hate using that term because it's not odds on favorite. He's the favorite. It's the LSU the favorite to land Sully, though. And, and Florida looked like a team that knew that, okay, coach is gone. Like Their minds were not on playing baseball. And South Florida took advantage of that. Um, but we'll talk about that. Uh, on another podcast, I'm sure there'll be a lot of a lot of big big coaching jobs open right now. So that we'll have a, a probably a separate podcast to cover that uh, later on this summer. But um, South Florida, as I mentioned, they are a really good pitching team. The offensive numbers certainly don't scare you at all. Uh, but they led the conference, as I mentioned, it's a good baseball conference. They led the conference by nearly a full earned run uh, in ERA. So they have a very solid starting rotation led by Jack Josiah. I. Th- Think that's I think that's how you say it, uh, but he's been really good this year. 15 starts, uh, 289 ERA, six and seven record. But again, their offense isn't very good. So if you're not scoring a lot of runs, then you're not going to get a lot of run support. So uh, he's a guy that likely will get the ball first, or a guy that you will absolutely see at some point in this series. Uh, but but he's really been kind of their workhorse there in the starting rotation. Their closer, uh, Orion Kirkering. 22 appearances on the year, a 2-1-2 ERA. So again, they've got dudes. They've got some guys that can really throw and playing, you know, in a park like Texas. I think that they can really do some work. Um, you know, Texas can explode offensively on you, but I think that uh, South Florida's pitching gives them a chance to be in these games. I I don't expect them to win this series. I expect them to make it close, possibly take a game uh, from the Horns, but. Again, it's it's not the walkover that everybody's expecting it to be, and it never is. If you're if you're playing in a super regional, there's a reason. You're you're a good team. You beat a lot of good teams, and South Florida beat a lot of good teams to get to this point. So um, that will be an eight o'clock start. That'll start Saturday, uh, eight o'clock on Saturday and Sunday at uh, Dishfalk Field in Austin. Uh, if they need a game three, I believe it's going to be a three or six on Monday. So. Um, looking forward to seeing how that one shakes out. Uh, Texas not really pushed this past weekend. I think they will be pushed a little bit more this weekend against South Florida. So, um, Speaking of being pushed, uh, TCU was pushed right out of the tournament in their own regional. Uh, since the start of May, the Frogs went 8-9, and nine, and that includes a run to the Big 12 Tournament Championship, but they had losses. They had a series loss to Texas, a series loss to uh, Louisiana Monroe, they ended up losing uh, three out of five, I believe it was, to Kansas State this year. Um, and then you lose to Dallas Baptist and Oregon State in your own regional, in your own building. Certainly uh, a nightmarish ending for the Frogs. 
The bullpen struggled down the stretch. They allowed a five-run seventh inning against DBU, which we'll talk about the Patriots here in a second. But, man, those guys are game. They're not going to mess around, and no lead is safe, apparently, uh, with Coach Hefner and the, the Dallas Baptist Patriots. So, yeah, bullpen allowed five in the seventh against DBU and then allowed a run in the ninth against Oklahoma, or uh, against Oregon State to, to knock them out of the tournament. So, uh What's that? That's a program. There's a lot of uncertainty surrounding the Frogs right now because obviously, as I mentioned with Kevin O'Sullivan uh, in Florida, Jim Schlossnagel is the the bell of the ball when it comes to some of these openings at you know A and M. He's the main guy right now at A and M, um, the the main target, I guess. And then he's also you know could be courted by places like LSU and and he when, you, when you're a hot name like that then then you're a guy that's going to certainly be considered for big-time opening. So we'll wait to see what happens with the Frogs coming up here, but that's certainly a disappointing way to end the year. Dallas Baptist, on the other hand, they are on to the Super Regionals, their first Super Regional since 2011. Uh, they were forced to a Game 7 by Oregon State, but, man, they really took it to TCU and to to uh, Oregon State. I mean, they they stood toe-to-toe and came away with the win. And props to them because there was times where, gosh, it just looked so bad, especially on Monday. I mean, 5 nothing. you're spiking balls in the dirt, you're walking guys home. You know, you, you had runners on, and you just three – I think three double plays they grounded into before uh, the big inning there in the seventh. But, man, watching it, you just felt like this is not their day. And then, of course, they load the bases in the seventh, and you start to think, well, I mean, hey, get a couple runs here, then it's a whole different ball game. And uh, they certainly got a few runs there uh, in the form of an Andrew Benfield Grand Slam. Uh, that thing was touched. He hit that ball so hard, immediately off the bat, you knew that it was gone. And he, he had a pretty nice admiration of it in a bat flip which was awesome, and I love that in baseball. I think we need more of it. And especially if you hit a ball that far in that situation to give your team the lead, you should be able to stand at home plate, watch that ball land, make someone go get it for you, bring it back, and then you can run to first. Because he crushed that ball. And for the umpire to be yelling at him to get going, to get down the line, dude, not your place. Go away. Like, that's, you know... People wonder why baseball has a problem reaching younger people. It's because of this stuff that's so stupid. And people say, oh, you're not playing the game the right way. You're not respecting the game. And there's something to that. There is something to respecting the game and playing it the right way. But, man, have fun. I am all for celebrations. I am all for guys bat flipping and doing all. Because guess what? If you don't want to do that, don't give up a home run. Don't give up a grand slam in that moment. I mean, it's it's college baseball. And part of the thing that makes college baseball great is the, the energy and the passion. It's it's playing for your school. And you see that for these guys. Like, it is it is so much fun watching all these schools. You know, watching Duke and Wright State, you know, on a June afternoon. I mean, I, I love that stuff because it's... It's so much fun watching these guys try to compete and stay alive in the postseason. And when you hit a freaking grand slam like that in a game like that, dude, watch it all you want. Flip the bat to the moon. Because if I did that, pretty sure I am carrying the bat with me all the way around the bases, (laughs) kind of using it as a walking cane as I come home. Because 
man, that was so cool. It's such a great moment. And for that ump to get in that kid's business and tell him to start running, come on, dude. It's nerd. Come on, don't don't get me with that. That's so that's so lame and so weak sauce. And these old people that are getting mad about you know these guys celebrating home run, get out of here with that. Like, come on. This I, I am a baseball purist, and I, I do not like too much change. But the game is getting stale to a lot of the younger generation, and you gotta let them have some fun, and you gotta embrace that kind of stuff. Because guess what? Those are the kinds of things that will get on Twitter and will get this generation you're trying to reach by adding pitch clocks and tricking up extra innings. That's how they'll, they'll, they pay attention to this stuff. They put these clips on Twitter and it gets people talking. And as silly as that sounds, as idiocracy as it sounds, it's something that baseball has got to embrace. And it starts at the college level. Um, and that is a tangent. And again, we could go a whole nother podcast on the stuffiness of baseball and how lame it is and how much these nerds need to calm down and, and enjoy this. Uh, but that is for another day. Don't want to take away from, from Dallas Baptist and just the incredible regional that they had to come back 10 years after they won their last regional in Fort Worth, ironically. But this is a team, they're always on the doorstep. Uh, they've been in the regional final 2015, 2016, 2017, 2019, 2021. It's their first uh, first super since 2011, and uh, man, they they got it done. And props to them because they're always there. But they all, you know, they they lost to Texas Tech in the regional final a couple times, and so now for them to to get over that hump to get to the supers, I, I like their chances going into the next round, depending on who they play. Uh, full disclosure: I'm recording this during the Old Dominion Virginia game on Tuesday morning, um, so that's we'll see how that ends up shaking out, but. Uh, Dallas Baptist, I like their possibilities moving forward and a chance to get to Omaha here moving forward. Uh, we'll pick the, the Super Regionals here in just a little bit. But uh, moving on to the Tucson Regional, Arizona swept their way through it. Uh, Oklahoma State was the two seed in this regional. I thought the Oklahoma State pitching would show up and, and really give them a chance in this series. Uh, it did not, buddy. Uh, UCSB just destroyed Oklahoma State in two games, really non-competitive for the Cowboys. Uh, UCSB outscoring them 27-7 to in two games. So uh, thanks for playing. Bye-bye, Cowboys. They, uh, after making it to the uh, Big 12 Tournament uh, Championship, they didn't do much. So, so look at this. The Big 12 Tournament, your finalists, Oklahoma State and TCU, they get bounced. Uh, TCU from their own regional, Oklahoma State, from the Tucson regional. But... There's so much there, and, and a lot. I talk about the tech fan base because that's the one I'm the closest to. So much hand wringing, and you know, oh well, they have to do this in the conference tournament if they want to get the national seed. They have to do this, and it starts. You know, guys like, uh, you know, at D1 baseball, those guys are, are fantastic, and they do an awesome job covering the sport like nobody has, and they have elevated this sport because of their coverage. And so a lot of that comes from them, you know. You, you gotta okay. Well, if if the if it's close, the tie can be broken at the conference tournament, and you know that didn't really appear to be the case this weekend. Maybe it helped TCU lock up a national seed, um, but you know for Texas Tech, they go one and two in Oklahoma City, and they still end up getting a national seed. And you've seen over the years that Tech that Tim Tadlock does not care about the Big Twelve tournament. Why would he? There's no point in it. Uh, for a team that's already locked up, I get I get that you want to give everybody a chance to to make your tournament and maybe 
have your conference steal an extra bid. Um, but I don't think Big 12 conference tournaments should be held against teams. Like a, a poor performance in the NCAA tournament or in the Big 12 tournament or conference tournament of any sort for any, for that matter shouldn't be held against them. I mean, Tech obviously struggled in theirs. Mississippi State sucked in theirs. They were terrible. Like they were non-competitive. Uh, and then they come out and they sweep through their regional. So I think that's silly. You look at a team like South Carolina. They used to mail the conference tournament in all the time with Ray Tanner, and they go to back-to-back College World Series and win back-to-back national championships. It just doesn't matter. So I think there's a lot of hand-wringing and stuff about what happens in the conference tournaments. I think that needs to stop. I think people. I think it can be a, a, a tool for teams to improve what they do, but I think somebody having a bad weekend in Oklahoma City or Hoover or wherever the tournament is, I don't think you should hold that against them. So. Um, back to the Tucson. I'm mean, getting off a lot of, on a lot of tangents today, I got, and I'm not even I'm not even my main one that I teased at the top of the show. So buckle up because uh, we got we got some more stuff to talk about here. Uh, Arizona advancing out of their own uh, Tucson regional to where they will now host the uh, Ole Miss Rebels coming to town for the Supers. That will be interesting to see. Um, we'll, we'll we'll pick those here in a second. I'll tell you what I think I see happening in those. But as I mentioned, let's just go right into this now. Uh, one of the dumbest rules in postseason baseball, and it's just every year we talk about it. Every year, it seems that everybody talks about it. But here we are. It's still the same thing. It is when you are a host team, you should be the home team in all of your games. You are the host. It is your ballpark. You should not have a chance to be walked off in your own ballpark. That's idiotic and I don't understand why we are still determining these important things with a freaking coin. We have so much data, we have so many ways to to figure things out, yet here we are still flipping a coin like it's, you know, Friday night lights. You know, I was talking to a high school coach in Central Texas the other day and you know, he wanted to his team was playing in a in the playoffs and they flip a coin. They, you know, go to the coin flip to see who gets to choose if you want to do a series, if you want to do a one-gamer, and if, you know, this coach was set up, his team was set up to play uh, a, a series, and the other coach wanted to play a one-gamer. And so, you know, that's, and they flipped a coin, and, and they lost. And, and so the team ended up, our, our team ended up winning. Uh, and, and actually threw a no-hitter to kind of throw a little icing on top of that cake. But it's just so asinine to me that we are letting this be determined by a coin flip. Last night, Oregon should have had the chance to play in the bottom of the ninth and, and have their last at-bat in their home field. You know, I, would, it, would it have mattered as much? I don't know. But you at least you know what you have to do. And, you know, all of a sudden, in the bottom of the eighth, LSU takes the two-run lead and then all of a sudden Oregon has three outs to try and to try and get it to try and get those those two runs uh, in the top of the inning it's just it just makes no sense to me why we do it and we continue to do it and people are like oh well you're your home ballpark that's why you that's why you you know that's your advantage you don't need more of an advantage it's like no that's crap because you you've worked hard all season and it is a reward to play in your home ballpark yes the the crowd certainly helps. That's a great thing to have on your side. But for for you to have to to be the visitor, Tech was the visitor twice in in their own building this past week, and they won both games. And it's fine, you know. They 
it, it happens in the super regionals too, but you should always get last at bat in your building and having to, to rotate and to flip a coin, it's just the stupidest thing ever. Like let's stop, let's stop using the coin to determine such high leverage things. So not gonna change. I don't expect it to change. Uh, it hasn't changed, so we're just gonna have to live with it. And uh, each year, we're just gonna all complain about it on Twitter. And um, that's that's that. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, so moving on to the regionals here, uh, or the super regionals rather. Uh, we'll we'll just go down the bracket, and, and I'll tell you kind of my thoughts here. Uh, Arkansas and NC State. Boy, Arkansas really was playing with fire with Nebraska. And I tell you what, Will Bolt has done a fantastic job in Nebraska, former Nebraska player. Um, they are on the right track and certainly have a chance to uh, really be good coming moving forward. And that, that's good for college baseball. Nebraska is a brand, and especially for me, I mean, growing up watching Big 12 baseball like I did, you know, going to games at Dish Falk, seeing Nebraska and Texas, man, it's just so cool when they are good at college baseball, and they're certainly to be—they appear to be on their way to that. Just not enough pitching to keep up with Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas is so freaking good, and there's a reason they're the number one seed. There's a reason that they have not lost a weekend series all year long, um, and so to me, the Hogs are just too good. NC State pushed a little bit by host. Louisiana Tech and Ruston last weekend, um, but I yeah I, I just think Arkansas is way too good. I, I think they advance out of this out of this regional um, and and on to Omaha for I believe it's a third straight year for them um, to the next regional Tech and Stanford Tech knocking out Arkansas the last time they were in Omaha. Uh, I'm going with the Red Raiders in this one. I know that's a shock to a lot of you listening, uh, but I think the offense it's going to be an offensive show, so it's going to come down to who can pitch better. And after what we saw this weekend from the Texas Tech pitching staff, I think that has to make you feel good moving forward. You start off with, you know, Patrick Monteverde, obviously. Uh, or sorry, sorry, you start off with Chase Hampton, which was a bit of a curveball for Texas Tech. So you got Hampton, Monteverde, and, and uh, Montgomery, Mason Montgomery throwing. That is a, a very good uh rotation to run out there especially considering then you've got Ryan Sublette and Micah Dallas in the bullpen and you're starting to see some of those guys move forward and uh, continue to improve so I, I do like Tech in this series uh, to, to go to their third straight college world series and fifth in the last seven years um, out in Arizona the Ole Miss Rebels going out there after being pushed by the uh, Southern Miss Golden Eagles in Oxford this past weekend at Swayze. Um, I I really do like Arizona in this one. They really breezed through their regional against some pretty tough teams in UCSB and I thought Oklahoma State, but not really, uh, apparently. Um, but Ole Miss, God, they had to use up a lot. Uh, they had Nukesi, their their ace, go back out and pitch again on Monday in that in that uh, game seven. So he threw a lot of pitches. I just wonder the accumulative effect that can have on a staff throughout the year if you're using guys in unfamiliar circumstances the weekend before. Can that impact them negatively? I don't know, uh, but I just know Arizona can hit the ball a lot. I mean, Ole Miss can too. Uh, but, you know, I just like the way that Arizona sets up better entering this series than Ole Miss. Um, out in Nashville, Vandy and East Carolina. East Carolina, you, you thought maybe this this could be the year for, for East Carolina, but 
uh, they struggled with the likes of Norfolk State and uh, Charlotte. Charlotte's good. Maryland's pretty good. Um, but uh, Vandy is a whole different animal. And much like uh, we talked about with Texas Tech earlier, Vanderbilt as a team, they have the two best pitchers in the country, Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter. But after those guys, you know, Vandy was a team that maybe you thought was a little more vulnerable in a regional, but you run Rocker and Leiter out there in a super regional best of three series. I like my chances with those guys, so give me Vandy in that one. South Florida and Texas, we talked about this one already. Uh, the Horns, just too much talent uh, on the mound. They are too, too deep for a team. You know, they South Florida's got pitching. Texas has got pitching. And uh, I think the Horns will maybe be pushed a little bit more than people think. I think people are just laying this down as a red carpet to uh, the College World Series for Texas. But I, I think I think South Florida will at least make this interesting. And uh, speaking of making this interesting, let's raise the stakes. How about the loser of this series has to take Charlie Strong back as their football coach? Now then, I mean, both of both of have uh, fired him, so and that would really motivate these guys to <laughs> to really play well this weekend. But uh, yeah, give me the horns in that one. Notre Dame, Mississippi State. Notre Dame. Uh, that was a really good regional that they bludgeoned. I mean, they destroyed their regional. Breeze through there. UConn was in there. Michigan was in there. You know, those are really really good squads, and uh, you know, Notre Dame made them look silly. They've been good all year, and, and there's been a lot of crowing. You know, there was a lot of talk about, oh, they got snubbed from a national seed, and I mean, maybe, but their schedule was not that great, and I, you know, they they have they certainly have something to prove, and, and maybe they're doing that right now, certainly knocking the cover off the baseball, um, but I, I, and I'll tell you what, I'll I'll pick them in this series against Mississippi State. I think they're hitting the ball really well right now, and I just think it'd be hilarious because Mississippi State fans have been talking all season long about how bad Notre Dame is and how much they would get killed if they were in the SEC. So, all right, let's see. Uh, I think the Bats in Notre Dame, they're going to have something to say about that at uh, Duty Noble, and it's fun seeing Mississippi State fans upset. It's yeah, Come on, it's, it's always a little bit fun at least. So, yeah, give me Notre Dame. That's the first road team I'm going to take so far. Uh Virginia and Dallas Baptist or Old Dominion and Dallas Baptist. Again, I'm recording this during the uh, Old Dominion-Virginia game. Virginia just took a 2-1 lead. Um, and it, it to me, if, if it sets up and if it's Virginia and Dallas Baptist, give me Virginia. Because Virginia has really played well down for the last month. They've been playing great baseball. Um, they've got Andrew Abbott as their frontline guy. And I talked about Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter. Um, who are filthy, leading the country in strikeouts. Well, Andrew Abbott's third. He's the ace for Virginia. So uh, give me the who's in that one uh, if, it's, if it's between them and Dallas Baptist. Plus, they've got a guy, Brian O'Connor, who has taken this team to Omaha, has, has won the whole thing, won a national championship. They know how to get it done, and they've, been, they've got you know, length on the front and a, and a bona fide ace in Abbott. They've got Stephen Shock on the back end. Uh, it was just a blast to watch. Um, I'm sure many of you saw the video of him just chunking his glove into the stands uh, after a win the other day. High energy guy. He's the, you know, he's like he's kind of like the 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 big punters that we see. Those guys that are that are big novelties. I think his Twitter handle is like Big Donkey. Just a big dude out there. Looks like a closer. Looks intimidating. Uh, a lot of fun. So if it's Virginia and Dallas Baptist, give me the uh, give me the who's in that one. Now if it's Old Dominion. 
I like Dallas Baptist. I think uh, the Patriots are playing well. That'll be played in Columbia, South Carolina, because of this weird predetermined host site thing. Uh, so that'll be played in a neutral site ballpark. But uh, if it's if it's Old Dominion and Dallas Baptist, give me the Patriots. If it's Virginia and Dallas Baptist, uh, give me Virginia in that one. And then uh, the eighth and final Super Regional, Tennessee and LSU. Uh, man, Tennessee was down three in the bottom of the ninth against fourth-seeded Wright State in their opener. Uh, walk-off Grand Slam. Oh, they were the home team in their home ballpark? What a novel concept. Uh, they walked off Wright State with a walk-off Grand Slam and changed the entire tenor of that series and possibly that this postseason run for Tennessee. Uh, as they now move on to the Super Regionals, they will host the LSU Tigers after what was just a wild night of baseball in Eugene. Uh, Oregon ends up balking in the go-ahead run. Uh, LSU would add another one. Uh, Oregon certainly made it interesting in the top of the ninth, uh, but they weren't able to uh, get it done. And the, the balk, that run, ends up being the difference in the game. But the pulmonary magic continues for LSU uh, after losing their first game, again, we talked about it at the top of the show, 7% of teams entering this weekend that lose game one end up making it through the regional. And LSU was that team. So, wheels off, strange win, but you just kind of get the feeling that LSU's got something cooking. And, and LSU was a, a victim of the Mike Martin uh you know, magical run to end his career at Florida State a couple years ago. They beat LSU on the way to Omaha. And I don't know, to me, this LSU team feels a little bit like that Florida State team did. They kind of snuck in on the back end of the field of the tournament. And now they're, you know, rolling. You won a regional and, you know, you messed up and let them win a regional. Now they're on to the Super Regionals, a place they are very comfortable with. Not typically uh, when they go, you know, on the road. They haven't had to do that a whole lot. Uh, I think it was their first road series win. I think first road regional win. Since 1989, I think they won the College Station Regional that year. But, uh, yeah, give me LSU in this one. Come on, man. I mean, believe in something. Palmineri has got that team playing well. They appear to be on a mission. They've got guys, you know, that they've got role players stepping up and playing really well. Um, and, you know, I just think that they're, they're a team of destiny. So give me the Tigers in that one. So recapping, we'll go Arkansas, we'll go Tech, we'll go Arizona, we'll go Vandy, Texas, Notre Dame, Virginia, Tennessee, or sorry, and, and LSU in that final one. So give me LSU in that final one, and uh, we'll see how we do. It's going to be a fun weekend of, of uh, college baseball for sure. Um, not going to spend uh, quite as much time watching baseball just because there won't be as many games so I'm sure that uh, my wife is going to love that um, not have to wonder why I'm watching Wright State and Duke play baseball <laughs> uh, no I'm just kidding she she loves baseball and and she lets me do it she doesn't necessarily want to join in on that fun but uh, you know who who wouldn't want to join in on that fun it's Wright State and Duke throw out the records when these two play uh, but uh, that'll do it for this week's episode of baseball stuff we'll be talking about Super Regionals, how everything went down. Talking about Omaha next week. So a lot of fun. A lot of things to look forward to. Appreciate you guys checking us out this week. And be sure to uh, tune in again next week. Thanks. Have a good weekend.
three, two. All right, and welcome into my return to the airwaves, returning to baseball stuff, episode eight, I think. Oh, gosh. How do we ever make seven? Uh, yeah, I've been a little under the weather over the last uh, week and a half or so. Uh, the daughter's now at daycare, so um, now I'm getting the uh, sickness she brings home for free. Don't have to pay for Well, I do have to pay for it, but uh, so getting over that a little bit. Uh, so I haven't really been able to talk, and considering that's a large part, a pretty big part of my actual job, figured I should uh, save the vocal cords a little bit instead of getting on here and ranting about stuff that, uh, you know, some people would say doesn't matter. I tend to think that it does. I'm so excited. It's College World Series time. It's It's been a blast watching uh, these first couple games, uh, you know, and, and some people might, uh, you know, might accuse me of, of ducking after uh, the Texas Tech performance in the Super Regionals, and that's not how I roll. I legitimately was sick, maybe because of Texas Tech losing, uh, not because of the way they played, but uh, just, uh, you know, seeing it, seeing it all come crashing down uh, pretty much in the first inning of that game against Stanford in Game 1 of the Supers, but no, I actually have been sick, but really wanted to jump on here and talk about some of the things we've seen over the last couple weeks at the College World Series. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk a little bit about the LSU coaching search, which is getting a little spicy as of late and got a very interesting chapter yesterday. So uh, we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, what I expect to see kind of the rest of the way with the teams that we have left in Omaha. I'm, of course, recording this on Wednesday morning. Um, so right now, we've got six teams uh, still alive in Omaha. Going to lose one today, going to lose another one tomorrow. Then we'll be down to the semifinals. So uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. And then at the very end, I do want to talk about the, uh, you know, the, the college sports fan, football guy, uh, that rolls around this time of year and, uh, you know, kind of brings you his hot sports opinions on college baseball when he is watching it for the first time all season long. So I'm uh, going to talk about that. That's going to be a little bit towards the end, so be sure to stick around for that. Uh, you know, rants, rants are always fun. gives me a chance to, to tell people to get off my lawn. So, uh, But before we get started, I did want to uh, give a shout-out to my dad, uh, he's battling uh, some torn retina issues, going in for surgery today. Uh, hope he's listening to this. Hope it makes him, a, uh, you know, makes it a little bit better. But uh, you know, maybe it's a, an extra captive audience member uh, that uh, can't can't really use his eyes. So he's gonna have to listen to me talk. So um, he's been doing it for you know 32 years. So you know, hopefully he enjoys it a little bit longer. But uh, praying for you, Dad. Wishing you a very speedy recovery. And I wish I was half as positive as you are uh, as you go through all of this crap. But uh, we're thinking about you, praying for you, love you very much. So uh, hoping your Texas Longhorns can stick around in Omaha a little bit longer. Certainly did yesterday. Uh, that was you know, quite a game. Um, you know, Tennessee and Texas, I thought that the winner should be able to keep the UT moniker because, uh, you know, growing up, Whenever you tell people you're a you're a UT fan, because I was I was a big big UT guy growing up, Texas that is. But of course, you know you'd run run across a Tennessee fan every once in a while. I was like, hey man, only one UT, only one UT. It's in the SEC. Um, but uh, yeah, so the Texas Longhorns uh, sent them home. Eric Kennedy, huge huge three run home run yesterday, down two to nothing. After what happened against Mississippi State, you're thinking, oh my gosh. Here we go again, uh, down early to a, a Tennessee club that's pretty offensive, although they do play in a, a bit of a band box. I think that's uh, 
fair to call it their stadium in Knoxville, a bandbox. Uh, and so you knew there were probably going to be some runs scored. And, and Kennedy actually said after the game, Troy Tulowitzki, who's on that Texas staff, told those guys in the ninth inning of the Mississippi State game, like, man, screw it. Just go up there and swing. You struck out 21 times. It's not going to get worse. Just go up there and, and, and stay loose and swing it. And that was exactly what they did. You saw Texas uh, being very aggressive on the bases, uh, which is was something that they like to do. They did it again to perfection against Tennessee. Uh, and and the, defense, the pitching and defense is what got Texas here. It's what's going to keep Texas here, and it's what kept them alive yesterday. Um, I mean, the, the double play, those, those double plays were massive for the Horns in some huge moments. Bases loaded, no outs, you know, a, a double play. I think it was, what, a 5-2 three double play like to to really quell that rally that was about to get going there for Tennessee who's a team that you know if they get something positive going for them they can score quickly even if they aren't playing in in a Cracker Jack box at TD Ameritrade which is certainly is not uh Texas you know playing in the dish that's a little bit more cavernous I think they're maybe a little bit more used to um you know moving runners and being aggressive and doing things like that because they don't have a park necessarily we can just plan to, to hit there and, and you know knock it out of the park every time you go up to the plate. So they're used to having to do that kind of stuff, and I think that fits really well with them uh, in at TD Ameritrade in Omaha. You know, I think David Pierce kind of downplayed it coming into the the tournament and into the World Series, saying, "Nah, I don't I don't really know if that helps, but it can't hurt." Um, you know, Tennessee was certainly a team that we saw uh, struggle big time offensively when you get into the big yard, and man, there's some balls that have been hit this week where you're like, "Golly, that thing is." out of here and you know sneaks over the wall or you know gets a maybe into the back wall of that bullpen there in right field but um you know texas has the game to to play really well here and uh that pitching staff that's so deep and so talented uh, was on display once again yesterday freshman tanner witt incredible just what texas needs another pitcher right five and two-thirds innings with three hits scattered there uh so huge outing for him there getting Texas over the hump, keeping them in that game, and saving that bullpen because that's the thing about Texas. I feel like they have the pitching to come out of the loser's bracket, but if you're burning up all those guys in your first game in the loser's bracket, you're probably not going to be around for very long. So a huge day for Witt and giving them a chance now to you know, go into this Virginia game. And it really, in my opinion, I think they have the upper hand. They're going to have to beat Virginia, and then they'll have to beat Mississippi State twice to uh, get to the semifinals. Of course, after Mississippi State had that amazing comeback last night, uh, you know, looked dead in the water. Griff McGarry for Virginia was outstanding. I mean, throwing a no-hitter through seven and a third. I mean, everything looked like it was going their way. And all of a sudden, just like that, 